Hacktoberfest event that we are organising with a bunch of the other communities here in Manchester. Um, Big shout out to Code Nation for hosting us. Yeah, thank you Code Nation, thank you everyone. I'm not going to list it because there's so many, but we'll get various other people from various communities in on this episode. Uh, I'm Joe, I'm one of the organisers of Pi Data Manchester. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll hear me occasionally, but I normally do the editing and don't talk a lot, so I'm going to try and talk a bit more today. Um, Introduce yourself, John. I'm John. How I'm a director of data science at PDFTA, um, and I'm one of the co-organisers of Pilot Manchester. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jennifer Stark. I'm another co-organiser of Pilot at Manchester, um, and I'm a lead data engineer at Lad Bible. Cool. So um, I thought I'd introduce what Hacktoberfest actually is because I'd never heard of it until we organised this event last year. So Hacktoberfest is sort of a global celebration opportunity to give back to open source projects, um, often through GitHub. Uh, lots of communities will organize small events all over the world and that's what we're doing here in Manchester. So we've joined up with all the other communities and we've got about 50 people in the Code Nation office uh, right now just contributing to open source projects on GitHub and we're sort of facilitating that as best as we can. Um, yeah, if you contribute to five, is it five projects? Four or five. If I, you I was confused. If you submit yet. five pull requests, then you get a shirt that mm. looks very nice. Um, so this mm. won't come out in October, it's too late. Yeah, it's too it. late. You can do year. it next year uh, if you work really hard. Yeah. Uh, but you should give back to open source anyway. That's That's sort of generally the point here. So this is one way of atoning for all the times we've used open source projects and sort of taking it for granted and I guess I guess I always took it for granted at the start I guess as many people do you don't really realize how much free software there is and that how, how many hours of work went into that free software and especially in industry you know you sort of get in and you install Python and you install Anaconda and maybe JavaScript libraries like all sorts of stuff that's just out there because somebody else thought that everybody else would need it um, yeah. well not even just that like I think a lot of things happen because something doesn't exist yet, so somebody makes it because they need it, and then after making it for their own purposes, they then share it. So like the, the initial motivation isn't always like particularly um, benevolent, mm. but it's like you know people make stuff that they need, and then if they need it, chances are other people will need it, so they yeah. share it. Um, I think a lot of that also comes from an academic perspective. So in academia, research is funded by the public, by public money, um, by research councils. And so anything that they create is has to be made publicly available, um, which is awesome. I think a lot of people benefit yeah. from, from academic-based research and software contributions. Um, and of course, they're at the... Academia is at the forefront of, of a lot of... Um, scientific or engineering development mm. and so they're usually in a spot where someone hasn't made this thing yet and they have to create it themselves yeah um and then that benefits the rest of the community so that's awesome yeah i mean r was originally um from i think the language s which was yes designed by um scientists and mathematicians and statisticians um, in a large part because there just wasn't anything else out there that could mm. do what they needed to do. Right. Um, and you see that all the time now. Um, you know, so many packages come out and so many packages have contributions from scientists, like you're saying. I mean, it's kind of the, the core of where Pandas came from, was Wes McKinney needed to do this. And, and you know, he needed this kind of functionality for time series modeling, I think it was. Um, and it snowballed because all of us need that kind of thing. <laughs> yep. um, and it's fantastically useful. The thing that always sticks with me is, I, I, this is a half-remembered fact from a year ago, so probably the last half-time fast. But there's, I think, a paid, 
I think there's eight paid um, volunteers who contribute to NumPy. The NumPy underpins pretty much the entire PyData stack. Mm. And it's, it's you mean they're eight full-time members, you mean? So that, that, is that their job, so they're not volunteers? Yeah, no, that's a bad word. <laughs> they're paid they're volunteers. Far, they're not volunteers. <laughs> yeah, there's eight, eight people that are paid to contribute and develop NumPy. Mm. Um, yeah, when you think of everything else that the NumPy powers, yeah. that depends on a huge amount of people giving up their free time yeah. to, to do that. For so. sure. Yeah, it's nice that you mentioned R, because R was my first experience of using something that was not uh, proprietary software that you mm. buy a license for. Mine too. Um, yeah, so we were, at the, the lab I was in at the time, um, well the organisation I was working in at, at the time as a scientist, uh, got funding cut, there was a recession or something happening. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah that's, that's a minor <laughs> thing. Um, so. Uh, yeah, all our salaries were frozen and our budgets were frozen. Not like, they just weren't growing with them um, every year. Mm -hmm. So uh, essentially we got like a 9% cut every year as long as this was going on. So uh, we had to save money where we could, um, which uh, included not buying proprietary software that you know we got had a license for. And mm -hmm. um, so we moved on to R. Um, I mean, it's going on to R serve two purposes. One was it was free, so we didn't have to pay for whatever other packages we were using, um, whatever the software tools. And secondly, um, as I mentioned earlier, there were techniques that we wanted to do, apply to our research that didn't exist anywhere. Mm. Um, so if I remember correctly, <laughs> it was something about uh, applying a, a Kurt So you've got Gaussian diffusion but in, in neurons uh, which have the melanin lining it's actually a kurtotic or kurtotic um, yeah, diffusion classic. pattern mm. um, and that didn't exist in a normal in any other software so we it was there was a package for it in R so that's what I used and I was like oh my gosh this is so great mm. you get these super sophisticated um, packages that are that do exactly what you want and it was an introduction to me for, for programming as well, and I just loved having um, access to the, these really niche um, uh, tools and being able to manipulate it how you wanted to because it was it was code, so you could like make it, make it super specific for what you needed. Mm. Yeah, it's really exciting. I love how like niche some of these weird projects are. So, the, like I was saying earlier, the first the first time I sort of realized how important all these open source packages were uh, was I was at work and I can't remember why but for some reason we were trying to calculate the height in the sky of the sun <laughs> uh, which obviously depends on where me. you are in the world and all sorts of stuff like that um, I don't know what to do <laughs> well, sorry someone's watch. waiting to be let in <laughs> um, so yeah we had to calculate this position of the sun in the sky, which is obviously a solved problem in various fields of mathematics. Uh, and for some reason, we were trying to write our own version in JavaScript. And my boss at the time was like, this, this definitely has a package on, on the node package manager. Uh, and I was like, that's so weird though. Like no one, why would someone on their website need to know the height of the sun in the sky? That just seems silly. And he was like, found it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and we were sort of trying to race him. We were like, I think we can implement it before... Oh, really? Before you find the package. Because it was just like one line of maths. Um, ah, people are ringing me to get in. Sorry, we're running... As we're running Hacktoberfest today, <laughs> we do have to nip out. So John's just nipped out to let someone in. Um, and people are ringing me to get let in as well. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's lovely. It always seems like, these days anyway, there's nothing in front-end development that I'm trying to implement myself. It's always been done by someone before, and it's a case of figuring out the right name to sort of Google on right. on Node Package Manager That's and various other things. Yeah, Google it, skills. Yeah, you just need, you need the context to find the right stuff. It's very interesting. Have you got any fun open source stories? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's a... That's really important. I mean, knowing, having enough context around what you're trying to figure out 
is important to because like just the slightest change in your Google query can mean that you do or do not find the thing you're looking for. Um, so uh, you know the difference between yeah. somebody with experience and not experience, can, or, or like a quote unquote good or bad uh, yeah. programmer, it might be just that they know. You need the words. You need, you need the terminology. The, yeah, the language is really really important. Like the spoken language is really important of describing what you want, and that's really hard sometimes if you're doing something you've never done before to even know if there's a there's an official yeah. phrase for the thing you're trying to do. Um, so I guess somewhere yeah. else with that too. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I've I've done exactly it's exactly that problem I've had this week where there's a piece of functionality I know I want to have um, on a website as you scroll down have it like auto highlight the navigation links on the side even mm. if they're nested. And I'm like, what is the word for that? But luckily, these oh, yeah. days we have like Slack communities. So in Manchester, we have the Manchester Tech Slack that's got like 2,000 members. It's got its own like JavaScript channel, its own React channel. Like, it, it makes it so easy to find like the right people and say like, here's the thing I want. What is the word for that? <laughs> yeah. And then we all just get confused together. And the actual word for that was scroll spy, apparently. Oh. And that's a thing that, that is wouldn't... is it's built into Bootstrap. It's built into there's like React packages for it, so it's all, it's, it's got its own terminology, but I have no idea. Yeah. I assume because it's watching the scroll bar, but oh, all right. just like, yeah, yeah. It drove me nuts, because I was like, if I had the words, like I know if I had the words, I could definitely find this package. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, yeah, it can take some time. And I mean, related to that is um, in terms of how making, using, well, related to finding the right words to find things is having good documentation to then use the thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and that can vary wildly, even even for things like um, uh, tools. Doesn't doesn't matter whether the tool is provided by uh, a multi-billion dollar company like uh, Microsoft or Google or um, you're the person working in the office next to you. They can both produce excellent software documentation or very awful, poor documentation. <laughs> yeah. Just in the last year, using um, uh, tools on, on Google Cloud Platform, I've had both of those experiences with Google products. So some of their stuff has been like very poorly documented, mm. and others have been really well documented. And the, I mean, for them, it was. I think the issue for them was that they were they were um, updating various tools out of sync with the documentation so then you'd be reading old documentation with examples but you'd be using a newer version of it and that wouldn't mm -hmm. be made obvious in documentation that there was a difference in in that um so that can make things very tricky but yeah it can be documentation is hard yeah there's, there's different types of documentation as well aren't there so you got like reference documentation you've got example documentation getting started so, i mean when you've been using something for ages you know you know how to use it, but there's maybe one new feature, you're not sure about some of the technicalities about how it works and how it interacts with other things. Mm. That's when you might be able to look something up in a large library of like pandas, you might want to understand if there's a way of doing some something. But you just want to get started with a new thing, it's that kind of in-depth in detailed reference material isn't that's not, it's not helpful in getting going. No, it's really not. I love examples for mm, that. Like, mm. I want, I'd want for, for, if it's my first time looking at a tool ever, I'd want, like, incremental examples. So, like, a, re, a super basic, yeah. you know, instantiate this class this way and use these things. And then some incrementally more complex um, examples. So I can sort of see yeah. whereabouts I am and, and how things build up, build within the the class or whatever yeah. it is that I'm, I'm trying to use. Yeah, if there isn't like a getting started section on a package in like Node, Node Package Manager type stuff, I'll, I'll probably skip it. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll open three or four things that do the same job and the one, the one with, here's the bit that you copy and paste to make this React component or make this bit work. Yeah. That'll be the one I go with because anything else is just like, I don't want to spend yeah. a day or two digging into this to figure out how I apply it. I mean, Stack Overflow is kind of a supplementary documentation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, website, isn't it? Because some some examples are really, really good on there. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. And it's, again, for getting started, because get, going from nothing to something is like the most difficult thing. <laughs> and there's so many, so many documentation that, in fairness, I often don't have time to do that. Mm. So if you've got somebody else on Stack Overflow who's got started and they're asking a different question, 
sometimes yeah. with nice, nice little snippets of, oh, I did this to you, um, which is step one. Like, oh, okay, I can mm. say that. Yeah. If you take the jobs we do and you take away Stack Overflow, you take away GitHub, take away open source tools, <laughs> package managers, <laughs> what would we be doing? If you take away open source software, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. I mean, 90, 90, 95% of the software I use every day is open source. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be in Google Sheets. Huh? Be it. Just be Google Sheets. Yeah. Yeah, like so. <laughs> yeah, with the amount of, um, it's amazing, it's staggering how much of what companies that make money, how much open source software they use mm. and don't necessarily contribute back. Mm. <laughs> so I think, yeah. I think it'd be really cool, um, like in my ideal world, a company would dedicate, um, that used open source software in their in their business would contribute back to that those packages, giving mm. giving their employees maybe like half a day a month or a day yeah. a month to contribute back to those platforms because yeah. it's just you know without them the co the company wouldn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Or donate have a or budget. Do or donate money. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, well, definitely. Yeah. I I always include it in like sort of a mastery budget at a company like you have your budget for. The courses you send people on, but also some of that should be going to like mm. sponsoring Numfocus or something like that. Yeah, I should say maybe at this point that my opinions are not the opinions of, <laughs> of my employers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my opinions represent John's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know they're doing it. Um, there's economists trying to do more work into uh, understanding the impact of. Wait, did I say not the same? Uh, not representing. Whatever they are, don't blame, don't blame <laughs> anyone else for Jennifer's sayings. Yeah. Although they're good. I like your opinions. Yeah, my Keep opinions are my opinions alone is what I want to say. Go on, sorry, Josh. I share some of your opinions. <laughs> uh, Great opinions, guys. <laughs> good echo chamber. <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say there's, there's a lot of work um, going into understanding what kind of economic impact um, open source software has on the world, on yeah. the economies. Because it, it's... You know, I am quite. I hadn't put those things together, but when you were saying, um, you, like your lab started using mm. AR, mm. and then, like during or after the session, yeah, that must. I mean, uh, presumably that wasn't like a, a one-off. That must have been happening to a lot of people. In yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, and looking at pandas, it got started a couple of years after that. Pi data really started growing massively a little bit after that. So I do wonder how much of an impact. Yeah, the knock-on effects are quite incredible. Mm. Yeah, and then how that's going to impact the um, economics of everything, seeing everything's using it for the yeah. next however you know, long. It's so not my area of expertise. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's super impactful. Mm. So do you guys ever make time to give back to open source stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Other than us contributing to this, which has like 50 people outside donating about 400 hours back to open source, obviously, we all have different ways of getting into it, but it, I think it can be quite inaccessible to start with, right? It's not Definitely. It's not something that people think is easy, but on GitHub at least, I love GitHub, GitHub makes all this kind of stuff easy, there's always sort of documentation on how to contribute, they have on GitHub... Uh, a label by default, I think, good first issue for people to contribute. Mm. And also mm. during Hacktoberfest, there is normally Hacktoberfest labels on a lot of repos as well. So it's quite easy to sort of give back now, I think. And I, I think you can, if you research a little bit, you can figure out how to do a pull request. And it's very good prep for industry because that's kind of how you work yeah, in sure. actual teams anyway when you pull request with your own code base and it gets rejected because you did some silly things <laughs> that were not normal. Yeah. yeah. So. There's a lot of style guys, I think. Yeah. Can be a bit intimidating to start with. I've, I've not, I've not done anywhere near as much open source software stuff as I'd like to do, um, or as I feel I should do. Um, but I do think that, I do think that Pi Data is, you know, helps contribute. So yeah. I don't feel so we bad give it back. that. <laughs> we have attained. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to do more. Yeah. And I definitely want to make more time for it. I agree with everything. Your opinions nice. are my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it is, we it just is. need one person on this podcast. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's really, it is really hard to find time and and the energy and the confidence to mm. to commit to somebody else's work that you know you think well my my comment on this documentation isn't that important or um, mm. this change to that bit of code is just a style issue it's not like a, it's not going to change the code itself it's just or like anything like that you can, you can all easily um, uh, talk yourself out of contributing yeah. to other people's projects the nice thing about Hacktoberfest is that you get rewarded for for submitting the pull request yeah. and not for them accepting yeah. the pull request. And it doesn't matter the content as well. So it doesn't are, matter the content. There yeah, are exactly. issues like add an apostrophe into the readme. Like there, yeah. there are things anyone can do. You just need to sort of flex this muscle of yeah. making Once, a pull request. That's it. That's the first step is the hardest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> step to make. And once you're over that, which Hacktoberfest encourages you to, to get there, um, it's it. You just you can get braver at doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's worth like um, emphasizing the point Joe was making that it's not just about doing code. And you, you were saying as well, it's not just like building a brand new feature. Yeah. There's lots of ways of doing it. We've been whinging about um, documentation, examples, and references. Yeah. Um, technical writing, super important skill. I'm always whinging that software development is, that, is about communication more than anything else. Mm. Design, all those kind of things. They're all super valuable to mm. open source pro uh, software projects. Yeah, and when it's your own, so like one reason why documentation is often poor is because when you, when you make your own, so say you made your own code, you wrote, you wrote the code and you document your own code, there's a lot of assumptions that you make because it's yours, so you mm. already know how things work. So it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's never seen it before. So, for example, like even with just regular writing, so writing prose or writing reports or whatever, somebody else can edit your work. It's really hard to edit your own work. Yeah. And that's exactly the same for documenting your own code. You know, you can't see because you already know what it's supposed to do. Um, so having somebody else just peer review or just be take on the editor role and look at your code or look at or somebody else document your code um, or to test drive your code as much or to test drive your documentation to see what you're missing yeah. um, can be really valuable. Definitely. Neat. So I would love like if I submitted if I had code on on the internet <laughs> that people were using, <laughs> I would love it if someone like wrote some nice documentation. Yeah. That would be awesome. Like I would really appreciate that. And you can feel like a celebrity when you tell people <laughs> you've contributed to like pandas when yeah. all you did was like change an apostrophe. <laughs> like put that in your CV, pandas contributor. Yeah, brilliant. It's a community effort. Yeah. All of it comes together to make a big thing. Exactly. That's the whole point. Okay, um, I think we should wrap up now because that was like 20 minutes. Yeah. We'll find some <laughs> other people from yeah, lots the meetup and lots of Pantora Fest attendees with excellent and interesting stories to tell. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Associates is a technology recruitment company with offices in Leeds and Manchester covering all things tech, but with an experienced team focusing on data science in the Northwest. They're good at what they do. They're one of those rare companies that understand what their candidates do too. Cathcart sponsor PyData Manchester, PyData Edinburgh, Mancamel and Scottermel. Check out their website in the show notes or find them on Twitter at Cathcart Recruit. Without the support of Cathcart Recruitment, Horse Analytics and Code Nation for hosting our recording today, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Well, it's the afternoon now and we have our first guest. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, I am um, known as, <laughs> my real name is Chet Tang Ho, um, but people like all my friends call me Cherry. Alright, and you're from? I'm from, I'm based in London, mm -hmm. so I come all the way here. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. From Pi Data London. Uh, I, yeah, I'm also involved in Pi Data London. Oh. Um, I also run Meetup in London. I run a Meetup group called um, London Python Sprints, and also AI Club for Gender Minority, so I promote diversity and inclusion, but at the same time, I promote contribute to open source. Right. So Pi Data Sprints, uh, is that just in London or do they have like a global... Oh, we are planning to expand because um, our 
we used to have a co-organizer in uh, London, but he moved to Germany. So mm. he's thinking about, so I met him like last week mm. uh, in Germany. <laughs> and he said oh. like he's thinking about having a local chapter there. Oh. And then we'll go global. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you want to start a chapter in Manchester, oh, please God. get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're running a podcast on a Saturday at ACK. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a budding um, open source community in Manchester. That's true. There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. Nice. But it's not us. Did I say Pi- <laughs> did you say Python Sprints or PyData Sprints? Python uh, Python Sprints. Python Sprints. I, I misspoke last before I said PyData Sprints, but it's Python Sprints. Yeah. yeah. Good. Awesome. We'll look it up. Yeah. It'll be what, in the show notes. What kind of stuff do you work on there? Well, uh, we work on different projects. At the beginning, we tend to work a lot on pandas because our founder, he's a maintainer of pandas. <laughs> yeah, Mark Garcia. Wow. Yeah, he's, awesome. uh, yeah. So, and then, but after that, we work on other projects as well. So now um, we also welcome people who bring their own projects so we can have a sprint, like kind of for younger projects. is the pace is faster, it's more fun. And then you can talk to the maintainer directly. Mm-hmm. We're working for a big project where you've got bigger ego, but at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, uh, it will take longer because there will be a lot of reviews like to make sure that it's right, so um, it could be more frustrating in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, so you're, what brought you, so London, I, I imagine there are high of fest events in London, so what brought you to our event in Manchester? For the second year running. For the second year running, I know, yeah. Yeah. Um, It was that good last year. Yeah, uh, why? Because last year I had a good time. Awesome. That's good news. Yeah, and I love the fact that I could sit here all day to work. Because in London, it tends to be more like evening events. Oh. Like, majority of them are evening events. So I would love to spend the whole day to um, work with people, to talk to people. So it's more chill rather than, you know, oh, I just you know, open and set up and then now I have to go home. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised. I would have thought that yeah. Alright, cool. Well that's good to know. Um I was thinking of hackathons as being like, you know, two days of just working away on stuff. No no no. So to me just a day feels really short. Yeah. Because um, it it does take a long time to sort of like get get your bearings mm. on what's going on, yeah. who people are and what projects are. Um so um what have you what have you been doing so far today? Right, so um, at the beginning, I have, because I am also a creator of a project, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Pick and Mix. <laughs> now I can sell it, right? <laughs> yeah, please yeah. do. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's, uh, it's on PyPI, it's on GitHub. Um, you can find it. Uh, what it does is doing something called stacking. Uh, if you do machine learning, you may have heard about it. So now it's mainly um, kind of serve the um, scikit-learn model so you can put of them together and do a stacking with uh, this um, pick and mix uh, bot. Uh, I'm thinking about maybe including other libraries as well, like Keras and other popular libraries. Yeah, so, Keras so, is awesome. Can you contributors. Just, <laughs> can you just simply explain what stacking is, just in case anyone's not familiar with it? Yeah, so stacking is when you do machine learning, uh, you can have one model and then in your training data and they will learn how to give a prediction um, so there is a technique that you could um, improve this prediction that's the idea to have if you have a lot of models and then all of them give you a result of the prediction some of them good some of them bad but it doesn't matter you use those results and put it in another model to make a prediction so the the model in the in the further down like layer further down the line is using the previous prediction to make a prediction mm-hmm. so um it has been proven that it's kind of uh, will re- improve your result if you have enough data to train them mm-hmm. so yeah uh, how is that different from uh from ensemble learning uh ensemble learning uh, is is a very general term ensemble learning uh, it's like mm-hmm. uh, kind of using more than one model to harness the power of, of majorities <laughs> like for having more of one like more than one but um for this tagging i think it's just like how you build it is different uh, okay mm. uh yeah you can look at you can look at the the page of pick and mix to find <laughs> okay, yeah, well, yeah. about it yeah i, I think with um 
with ensemble learning you can do stuff like voting so you'd have like a layer of multiple models and yeah. you take the average or you'd vote for the majority yeah that's what I'm familiar with yeah, yeah but instead of that like you can use the model to do a prediction yeah. of that as well mm. so it's so okay. like input training data yeah so it's like an inception <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know whether it's like uh, yeah good way yeah. so like the outputs of the first yeah, you become the input. Become the input of the second layer. Oh, okay. yeah. oh interesting. Yeah. Cool. So we'll have links to all of this in the show notes. Yeah. Um, mm. So Pick and Mix has got a really nice description of. Yeah, I got somebody contributed uh, to it. Um, yes. And yeah, I, I'm always surprised that uh, people, because I I'm just one person. I don't know everything yeah. in the world. And then by doing open source, by asking people to contribute, and then you have somebody who is good at this part of things then they would contribute and then they are doing like for this particular job or task or ticket they're doing a better job than you so you you get a, a you know advantage of it and yeah. then, but also you know you that's why i always think that as a maintainer you have to always acknowledge the people who help out even mm -hmm. though some of them you know you may not accept like may, may not use their work but right. I always think that everything is appreciated yeah. I always ask them to put their name on the author's page mm -hmm. um, I give out stickers if I meet them in person oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah so that's why I have this logo and a sticker in a very early stage it's a really nice logo good job Agat uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank got... you so much. I want to send you some stickers, yeah. but you didn't reply to my email. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if, if you have a project that you need a logo, um, talk to um, Agathe and mm. like, uh, oh, cool. it's really good work. Her contact details are on the pe uh, Pick and Mix uh, GitHub page. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm looking at now. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We'll have links to that again on the on the show notes. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully you'll get some more. Contribution. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Very, thanks for coming all the way in from London and yeah. thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, don't worry, I got a drink tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got our next guest in. So please introduce yourself. Okay, so um, I'm delighted to be here. My name is Chris. I live and work in Manchester. I work for an open source consultancy company called CodeThink, which is based in the Northern Quarter. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Think what's it called? Uh, CodeThink. Oh, I know where they. Oh, you're in um, number thirty-five. Yes. Yes, I used to work in that building. <laughs> ah, are you in the fifth floor? I was. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. There's like tech companies that every like they're all tech companies, aren't they? Apart from yes. one floor that's a diamond. Is that the one with the prams? There's oh, like, I actually don't know what that one is. It's like that second floor that I has know. a pram. I know. And then the first floor that has a full size snooker table. Do they? Yeah. How do you oh that's the media company. I, I, is it that company? Uh, maybe. Mm. Anyway, red <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Yes, slight digression. Managed to attack community. Yeah. <laughs> in the north, specifically northern quarter yeah, tech Specifically community. in 35 Dale Street. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, it's a good it's a good building there, I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and Laura, the manager, she's great too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me some of the best coffee as well in Manchester. Oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So see so here's a shout out to Idle Hands and <laughs> as well. <laughs> Other coffee shops do are available and now <laughs> <laughs> welcome to sponsor. And, uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Alright, so um so you said you're from Manchester. Yeah. What brought you to Hacktoberfest here today? So um part of it was that um I this is a part of this project that I started called LibreML. Um, it's using an open source project that CodeThink had developed, but this project is very much um, um, at the moment the thing that I've started. And um, part of it is that I'm a very incompetent data scientist. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm enthusiastic. And, but I've done a lot of system integration and build tooling over the last 12 months. And this is very much a project in that, in that field, but for data scientists. Okay. And so part of coming to Oktoberfest, or really all of coming to Oktoberfest today was um, speaking to data scientists, going well, going out of that bubble and seeing, you know, what is the use case? Is it something that would be useful for data scientists? Mm -hmm. And you know, answering any questions they might have about about what we're doing. 
okay. and, and yeah. So where can people find this project? Um, so this is so this is fully available on GitLab, GitLab.com. Uh, so it's just GitLab.com slash LeadRayML. Okay. And so if people do have feedback re related to what you just said. Yeah. Um, how would they communicate that feedback to you? Great. So um, we have a free node channel. So uh, they can just go to hash LeadRayML um, and then and we're all there. So just yeah. so you can just find us. Um, we have a we have a wiki and we have a readme. Um, so if people have any questions or like are just confused about some of the things that we have on there, mm -hmm. we're a new project. So likely that's because we need to update our documentation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so opening up issues would be super helpful to us as mm -hmm. well. Um, and then if they also submit an MR for that, that would be even better. <laughs> like MR? So, uh, sorry, a PR. Oh, a PR. PR. Okay, yeah. 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 So like if they if if they do that, then then <laughs> then, then that would be then that would be ace. But yeah, just um, any like through those through those uh, dialogues, that would be awesome. All right. Cool. I don't know what's going to ask. <laughs> what, what does LibreML do? Um, so LibreML um, provides ready-made Docker containers um, that are that basically provide an entire machine learning stack um, built from source using a tool called BuildStream. So BuildStream is at, at its heart an integration tool. It provides strong sandboxing guarantees and allows, and then through basically very simple YAML schema, you declare the sources that you have. It has a variety of build plugins, so whether you're depending on whatever build system that you're using, there's a plugin for that. And um, it will construct an entire software stack for you using um, good reproducibility guarantees from the compiler all the way up. And what LibreML does is, is that it will package all of that into a Docker container for anyone to use. Wow. That sounds really viable. Yeah. Yeah, reproducibility is <laughs> yeah. a so often. Um, but yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Does that not make the Docker image really large, though? So this is the thing. So at the moment, um, if you want to do something like that, you could start from the Ubuntu image, mm. and that would be great. Mm. Um, but what so what LibreML does instead is that it um, there's another project called Free Desktop SDK, which is a minimal Linux runtime, mm -hmm. and so that means that at the moment um, our Docker images that we're still a young project, so customizability is still a thing right now. So we basically package everything in. So everything at the moment is. Uh, Matplotlib, Scikit-learn, PyTorch, Jupyter, all of that at the moment is about 250 megabytes. Hmm. We think we can drive that down further and especially what we want to have is to make that customizability even, even easier, maybe with a web front end so that users can go in and say, today I need to have just an OpenCV container, right. you can have something up to date and, hmm. you, and that will just all be supplied. You. That's really cool. Yeah. I really like that. I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but I, I mean, there's there's various. There's, so that's one avenue that we're going down. Okay. The second avenue is the thorny question of uh, GPU support. Mm. So mm. our project <laughs> is called Libre. LibreML, yeah. and at the moment, the space for if you want GPU support is very much dominated by NVIDIA mm -hmm. and CUDA. Mm. It's great. Like, you know, they, they have, like, they have, a, they've done so much work and put so much money into having the entirety of the experience from hardware to software, basically fully proprietary. And so mm. the experiences that um, we've had in trying to interface with that with LibreML has been awful. And so one, one of the big pushes that we're going to do, and it's going to be some work, is we want to have a fully open source GPU backend. Wow. So this is going to be OpenCL compatible mm. instead. So essentially what that means is that what we want to have are containers 
that are completely agnostic to the hardware that is underneath. So these containers should work interchangeably with Intel AMD GPU backends. That would be fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot of um, effort by companies to do this right now that are backed by open source projects. Mm. Um, we think it's possible. Um, this is basically issue number one for us <laughs> on the UPML. Literally, it's 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 issue yes. number one, um, and we have a and we have a plan for it. It's not going to be a small job, but that is something that if we can do it, we um, we think that this could have some interest. That sounds like a really good ambition to have. Yeah, um, yeah. You have a dream big. Yeah. Uh, so you said you you're at CodeThink. Yes. And this is a project with with that you're doing at at CodeThink. So um, at the moment, this is a project that is um, run basically as uh, outside of CodeThink's time, oh, okay. um, but by but but by CodeThink engineers. So okay. at the moment, the people that are active are so there's a, so there's myself, there's Adam Jones. Um, and Tom and Tom Kodrick, and they've been pushing, and we all we all work at CodeThink, yeah. um, and we've all been involved with BuildStream the tool at some point in time. Okay. Um, but this is, but at the moment, this is something that uh, we run outside of it, and okay. we would love to work and interact with people outside, like um, from 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 anywhere in the community, um, especially in Manchester. So. Wow. That would be awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Horsefly is a data science driven provider of talent analytics solutions with offices in Manchester and Liverpool. Their data scientists code in Python every day. If you love data and have a natural curiosity to dive into a data set, Get in touch with Horsefly or reach out to Pi Data Manchester and we can pass you on. Check out their website in the show notes. So I think our final guests today, would you like to please introduce yourselves? Yep, I'm Lucy Bridges. I'm Adam Shafton. And we're from Python Northwest. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> Python Northwest. Um, yeah, so what did... What do you do at Path Northwest? So we're a monthly group that meet up um, mostly in Manchester on the third Thursday of every month and we talk about Python, we write Python. Um, yeah, and it's a mix of kind of workshops, coding sessions with people trying to solve problems and talks from like either from us or from people we know or just generally Python users who are interesting things to tell us about. Hopefully interesting anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like Python? Um, yeah, I would say. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's not the language I use most because um, I work for a company where we do Angular, but it's oh. the language I like most. Okay. <laughs> so when, when, you're not in Pi when you're not in Manchester, where are you hosting the meetups? You no, said she was she was saying mostly just to be polite. We always have them in Manchester. Okay, but okay. And if anybody else wants to like organise one in Leeds or Sheffield or Liverpool then yeah. Yeah. Oh that'd be cool. So just give give you a shout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At Python NW on Twitter. That says yeah. Good memory there. Yeah. yeah. There'll there'll be um a link to that in the in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, so what brings you both here today to Hacktoberfest? Um, I heard about Hacktoberfest last year because um, I heard a talk at a conference by John Spriggs who talked about Hacktoberfest um, and so I went to the one last year and I had a lot of fun so I thought I'd come back this year and help out and do some more requests and things. Yeah, and yeah. very helpfully and help us all organise it as well. Um, my interest in it is more just obviously from using Python, you you consume an awful lot of open source software, and uh, I had very so I've used you know dozens of different libraries, but never really thought about con contributing to them in anger. So I thought it'd be interesting to come along and see people doing it and try and 
get started on doing it myself. A bit yeah. More. Yeah. So you, you actually came with the project, didn't you, today to that, that people could contribute to? Yeah. So we have um, we have a website that we developed um, quite a while ago that in Django. It's a Python web framework. For those who aren't familiar with it, um, and we thought we were either going to uh, create kind of issues for people to help us with that, but actually. Uh, because of how we want to use the website, we decided that actually we'd um, we'd refactor it re or re rebuild it because we don't have need for a big fancy Django website basically. So we thought a nice little open source project. I say we, Lucy. Lucy, though, then I spoke very yeah. authoritatively about that. Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a group effort today. Definitely. It's been good. It's been. Um, been like what the best thing about programming is you know learning something new putting it into action straight away um remembering that you've got no idea how to use git without looking it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes for sure what did or, you pick for the website in the end sorry so we picked jekyll which mm -hmm. is a ruby based static site generator well, mostly we, we picked it based on the convenience of hosting it rather than the language yeah yeah i mean it's it's really easy to use but it, you can host it on GitHub pages, so you don't mm. have to worry about paying for hosting or maintaining it or anything. That's nice. That's, that's been the main sort of blocker to us having like a functioning, useful website over the last few years, really, that we've had one, because we, we obviously know plenty of people who can write Django or write web apps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so we, we can make a website, and I'm like, where do we put it? So this was a... a, a a way of just like shortcutting that stuff. Yeah. So this is the first time you're using Jekyll then? Certainly for me. Um, I've used it for my personal website, so I've got a blog um, that gets occasionally updated. So I've used it once before. Yeah. But we've got we've actually got someone now creating a pull request for us. So we've yeah. got people contributing already, which yeah. is nice. That's so exciting. You've got a captive audience here, haven't you? Well, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can like guide them on the yeah, on, that's awesome. Good. Yeah. Gave us an opportunity to uh, finally get a code of conduct together as well, didn't it? Which we've been yeah. meaning to do for ages. Yes. It's an important step. Yeah. yeah well we we got, you know, be nice. But then after that, it seems like you have to be more specific these mm. days about in what, <laughs> what specifically would you be nice about. Right. Yeah, so have you borrowed a code of conduct from somewhere else or have you yeah. written from scratch? So the Python um, Software Foundation recently uh, updated their code of conduct because before it was very much like a based around contributing to Python itself. Oh. But now they've updated it to include um, a lot of like in-person events so it's much more applicable. Um, so we've basically taken that, shortened it a bit to make it more applicable to like a UK audience rather than sort of worldwide or America. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we've we've used that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a it's a whole new world, isn't it? Code of conduct. <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming up um, in the coming months for Python Northwest? Well, we were just talking of earlier with um, the. Tanya Allard, yes. who heads up um, PyOADs Northwest. Yes. So we're going to do a, a kind of crossover event with them. Exciting. So mm -hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, we haven't really started talking about next year yet, have we? We're um, lineup speakers, but we need to. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, yeah. We also know that we have December off, so mm -hmm. that's um, so we'll start thinking about a new year, new plans and all that. So it does mean we're looking for speakers if people want Oh, we're always looking for speakers. Always. So yeah, if you if you're interested in speaking, and I've spoke I've spoken before at Python Northwest, it was a lot of fun. Um, so get in touch with Lucy and Adam or Python at Python Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of topics could people talk about at your events? So I mean, obviously Python itself is pretty multifunctional. So these days. There's a big emphasis on data science. Obviously, a lot of people are interested in that, as you guys well know. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, Python is pretty prevalent in web development or in just you know like getting stuff done, scripting. Um, we haven't done one for a while, but we have done like code workshops where people bring their project and say, 
help me with this. Awesome. And so we're happy to do that because you know it's it's a nice discussion point if nothing else. But yeah, we as long as it's about Python, then we're not really that fussy because we've tried to be all things to all people for better or worse. Yeah, it's good. Sounds like a really really wholesome event. I love the <laughs> so we have an event as well once a month for um, Code Night, which is similar to your yeah. help me with this yeah. night. <laughs> so we you know, encourage people to bring if they've got a project that they're working on to bring it um, and work on it at Code Night, and they can get help and give help. So um, we find. At least for, for our events, we found that really helped to build a sense of community because mm. um, people actually sit and talk to each other, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah, I, went, I actually went along to your last code night. It, it was really chilled. It was really friendly. I, I helped someone get started with Python. Oh, really? And yeah, nice. so that, that was really fun. Um, they seemed to really enjoy it. I was able to talk about lots of different Python projects and get some ideas and inspiration myself. Cool, yeah. I, uh, I think I'm most enthusiastic I've seen our audience recently, other than John's talk. Which, <laughs> <laughs> was um, when we had uh, microbits, the oh, microbits oh, over in Python oh, yeah. processing library. Just had an evening playing around with those. Basically a bunch of adults in a room playing with toys, yeah. <laughs> effectively. Um, but yeah, they all liked it, and it was the only one where I've ever kicked people out of the room. Really? <laughs> that is a success. Yeah. Sets a bar though, doesn't it? <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> Brilliant. So, uh, how is this? Is your so Lucy? This is your second Active Fest event. Mm -hmm. This is your first. Yes. Yeah. How have you found it so far? Yeah, really good. Everyone seems very enthusiastic. Very good. Um, very, yeah willing to get involved, be more chatty. We had a little like precursor event on Thursday where, but it was mostly a lot of frustration of not being able to find things to work on. Yes. So having a lot more of those resources here has, has obviously helped out. Finding issues to work on is always my blocker. Mm -hmm. And it's the first step, so it's a really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You can spend a long time poking around. Oh, you see, you know, you find plenty of things, but they've already got um, yeah. got fixes that haven't been committed yet and stuff like that, so it can be a bit, bit of a, of a like, uh, confidence knocker for yeah. new people. Right, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much uh, for being thank on you. the podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope you have a rest, well, we've got not, not much time left now, we've got, well, just an hour left, so... Good luck on those extra pull requests that are being worked on right now. Yeah, and uh, we'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. Sure. <laughs>